Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, the podcast that tells the remarkable story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and this is the third part of my conversation with author Jeffrey Block regarding his recent book, A Fine Romance, Adapting Broadway to Hollywood in the Studio System Era. This very interesting new book takes an in-depth look at 12 Broadway stage musicals and their Hollywood movie musical adaptations. And today we discuss two of those shows, West Side Story and Rodgers and Hammerstein's second-to-last musical, Flower Drum Song. When compared to their Broadway originals, these are two of the most faithful and complete film versions But as you will hear, many changes still had to be made in bringing those shows to the screen, and Block has captured them all in fascinating detail. If you missed the first two segments of this discussion, you may want to catch up with those before listening to this one. My guest Jeffrey Block is editor of Oxford's acclaimed Broadway Legacy series and the author of eight previous books, including Enchanted Evenings, the Broadway musical from Showboat to Sondheim and Lloyd Webber, and the Richard Rogers Reader. This episode is made possible in part through the generous support of our patron club members, Anne Welsh, Ruth Oberg, and Ellie Schaffer. If you would like to help support the creation of this podcast, I'll have information at the end of the episode about how you too can become a patron. Here we go. Let's move on to West Side Story. And of course, West Side Story is one of the most analyzed shows and films of all time. I think you quote in your book how many books there are written about West Side Story. You could fill entire libraries with them. Knowing that there's so much about West Side Story, what did you decide was going to be your focus in terms of that. I think that even if there are a lot of books and they mention songs and stuff, a lot of scholars and critics don't talk about what's happening in the music. And so that's something I made a point of doing in every single chapter. One of the interesting things about West Side Story, they cut somewhere as a ballet. Other than that, they basically kept the score, you know, pretty much. But the film changed the song order. And in some ways, significantly, I have statistics. So this is also setting the stage 
stage for Flower Drum Song because Flower Drum Song has a similar approach. That actually takes even greater liberties with the song order. I'll get to that. But in the case of West Side Story, the reordering, even though it's quite faithful to the dialogue too, I have a list of every little change. You know, there are changes, but basically it's pretty close to the dialogue, close to the dramatic structure, close to the score. But the changing the order changes the trajectory. And one of the issues that people don't think about all the time, but it's interesting and it's actually ironic, but in those days, some of these big movies were shown in what's called roadshow versions. They don't have that anymore, but they tried to make the movie experience like going to the theater. People dressed up, you know, it was a There fan. was an overture, there was an intermission. I remember going to those when I was a kid and a movie would play in one theater for sometimes even in Cincinnati, where I'm from, it would play a year in that one yeah, theater. Yeah, it's amazing. And so West Side Story was a roadshow film. Roadshow films actually have intermissions, as David just mentioned. But the normal film musical did not have an intermission. In fact, when you saw a film until the 60s anyway, roughly, uh, you saw two films. A double feature, yeah. Double feature. Well, you know, they decided to make West Side Story a more complete version. They didn't want to make major cuts. So it was like 30 minutes longer than the average musical. It originally had an intermission, but after that, you don't have an intermission. But there was an intermission in the stage version. So when you adapt it, what are you going to do? If you don't have an intermission, you have an automatically different trajectory. Because one thing, a typical stage musical had two acts. And the first act was roughly two-thirds the length of the second act, one of the big things you had to do was create enough interest and suspense at the end of the first act to want to bring people, most people would come back anyway, but you want to give them a real good reason why, what's going to happen here. So the end of the Dream Ballet, Oklahoma, that's act one. So there's like a major, major thing. What do you do if you're going two and a half hours without a break? So this is where things started to change. In the West Side Story, first of all, there are 15 major musical numbers and seven appear in their original order. So if you know the stage musical, you think you're seeing exactly the same musical, but you're seeing a lot of songs out of order. But the first five or so songs are in the stage order, and the last four songs are in the stage. So it's all the middle songs are in the wrong order. I mean, you know, different order. So, so they get reshifted around in the middle of one the, way or in the another. middle of some the story. By, some by just one little switch, like one song in between. But like Cool and Krupke were completely reversed. So right there, you've made a giant change by taking a first act song and moving it to the second act and the second act right. song and putting it in the first and, act. And I'm really interested in this. I'm interested in what everybody thinks about it and why. You know, as a critic, I try to weigh in. Okay. I'm going to mention just a couple of them. But obviously you could see the whole thing charted out and every single show I do has a table that shows the stage and the screen and how they overlap and everything. Okay, anyway, the song I Feel Pretty, that's a real interesting one for a number of reasons. Now it opens, I call it act two, there's no real act two. So it's after the rumble. Okay, this is point. I feel In pretty- In the Broadway version. Yeah. Because yeah. the first act ends with the rumble on Broadway and then the second act opens it with- It ends with I Feel Pretty. I Feel Pretty. Thank you, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, so it's a big dramatic event at the end of act one, the rumble and the dead bodies are on the stage as sometimes used to say, and that's when people started leaving all these dead yeah. bodies. I mean, that was really unusual for a musical to have a bunch of dead bodies and major characters on the stage at the end of Act One. Okay, so there's that. In the film, I Feel Pretty occurs between the newly replaced Kruppi, because Kruppi was at the end, now it's more at the beginning, and One Hand, One Heart, and it's three numbers before the rumble. 
Right. So think about this. If you're watching the musical, does Maria know that there are dead bodies? No. So she sings, I feel pretty, blithely ignorant. We know what's happened, but she doesn't know, which is part of, some would say that's the power of that in the Broadway version of the story, is that we know something the character doesn't know. But it's also a bit of a holding time because the story can't move forward because we're still in that same moment for the length of that song, basically. That's right. In going through, I look at scholars and I look at critics. They are in agreement about the Krupke switch. That's really interesting. But Sondheim, I'm not trying to pick on Mr. Sondheim, but Sondheim was a major person against doing this. And what's fascinating is he lived long enough to change his mind about five times. It's really hard (laughs) to keep straight. You know, it really is. Because he first, he didn't see why why Krupke should be at the end. And then he thought then it had to be at the beginning. You know, it's very hard, to, but I go into all that. But now people think that it's good having Krupke. Having Krupke earlier and having cool at the end. Yes. And why is that? You know, because now they're trying to keep cool because, you know, the killing has already happened. And they're trying to keep cool, which is dramatically more powerful to most people now than the fact, let's keep cool before we start killing people. I mean, not yeah, say it, like that, but, you, okay, but so. it adds a dramatic context to cool that it didn't have originally. I do think right. that's very powerful in the movie. Right. And the problem, though, is that Riff, who sings cool, is dead now. So right. they have to give it to Diesel, you know, so another character. Okay, so that's the breaks. So I argue in favor of the later stage placement in which Maria was oblivious to the tragedy. That's how I think. I think that's more powerful. And knowing what happened to Riff and Bernardo, when we hear the joyous I feel pretty, creates an effective and poignant irony absent in the film. That's just my opinion. It's interesting. Could have quiz David on this. Do you know what happened in the revival? The last Broadway revival to I Feel Pretty? I think they cut it entirely didn't they? They cut it entirely. But also they did it all in one act also, didn't they? They didn't have intermission. Right. I didn't see that. To me about that, you know, is that in the film version of West Side Story, they use Sondheim's original America lyrics that were discarded before they did it on stage. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. I have my own washing machine. What will you have though to keep clean? Skyscrapers bloom in America. Cadillacs bloom in America. Industry boom in America. Twelve in a room in America. New housing with more space. Lots of doors slamming in our face. I'll get a terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is alright in America. If you're all white in America. So let's just make sure everybody understands that. So the original lyrics before West Side Story opens on Broadway, while they're working on it, are the men against women lyrics. Male sharks were conceived to be in that number. Right. And then for whatever reason, which I've never quite understood, Jerome (laughs) Robbins only wanted the women in that number and Sondheim had to rewrite it. Exactly. So this big change people think made for the movie wasn't a big change at all. It was actually a restoration to what they started out with. Here you are free and you have pride. Long as you stay on your own side. Free to be anything you choose. Free to wear tables and shine.
fine show. Everywhere crime in America, organized crime in America, terrible time in America. You forget I'm in America. And Rita Moreno, I learned this after I finished the book. She came to our campus at the University of Puget Sound recently as like a major lecturer. It was like an interview format. She was talking about she wanted this role more than anything. She knew the stage version. And when she got an audition, she had a real conflict because she hated the stage lyrics. Uh, and that's one reason why they got rid of it in the film. Not because of her, but I mean, because there are lyrics in there that are insulting. The first line is island of tropical diseases and things like that. And she said, I'm from Puerto Rico. In fact, she was the only, they're mostly Latina and Latino actors, but she was the only one who was actually from Puerto Rico. And she said that she was going to get out of it. Then she got the script and all those lines were cut. That was sort of interesting. you know. That, yeah, um, very interesting. I finished the whole chapter and was almost ready to send off when the Spielberg film came. And so I made a decision not to talk about it at length, but I have like the longest footnote of the book where <laughs> I go over some of the principal changes mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And it's interesting in that movie they use cool in a third way, in a, yeah, in a completely I different way which i actually think is one of the best parts of that movie if yeah. you're not going to recreate jerome robbins dance to cool right then yeah you need to do something else and they actually turned it into a book song which i thought yeah yeah, yeah no yeah spielberg reinstated the basic song order but there are some exceptions he was closer to the song order yeah uh, but that way he retained i feel pretty also sondheim hated the lyrics famously hated the lyrics to i feel pretty and he claims that because he was the low man on the toilet Pole. You know, he was only 25, 26 years old. He didn't have any authority about making decisions about things. They liked his lyrics. <laughs> that was the problem because he thought they weren't good lyrics. You know, they are good lyrics, but he thought they weren't good. And so um, I've never bought his objection to them. I have to say that somehow well, they're too clever for this young woman to have. First of all, they're not that clever. And is she singing in English or is she singing in Spanish? I always assume she's singing in Spanish. We're hearing it in English, yeah. but she She's actually singing in Spanish. Yeah. So I don't know. I it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think maybe you know that I critiqued that. Her lyrics are dramatically appropriate for that role. But he was an advisor to the stage version. You know, sort of like Sondheim's Revenge. That's getting rid of I Feel Pretty. But Spielberg, you know, brings it back in. And he also created a new character for Rita Moreno at 90 years old. Doc in Spielberg's version has died and has a widow that we never saw in the stage version. Spielberg gives Rita Moreno in that role the song Somewhere. It would start off as a ballet and then it's an offstage and that kind of thing. So the Spielberg's worth seeing. Absolutely. I don't think it surpasses the 61, but it's definitely worth seeing. You know, it's well done. Don't go away. Jeffrey and I will be back with more Broadway Nation right after this quick break. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and even here in Seattle, warmer, sunnier days are on their way. So it's time to fuel up for them and meet your wellness goals with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Thanks to Factors' menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, or my favorite, Vegetarian, Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, 
you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. So what are you waiting for? Kickstart that new healthy routine with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week so you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can crush those wellness goals with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make everyday delicious from breakfast to dessert with restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. With no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. With Factor, you enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle, choosing from six menu preferences that help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com BN50 and use code BN50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BN50 at factormeals.com slash BN50, as in Broadway Nation 50, and you'll get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do it today. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Let's talk about Flower Drum Song because I have to say it's a movie I have seen probably a couple of times in my life, but not a movie I have watched over and over again yeah. like many others. And you have convinced me I didn't have time to do it before this interview, but I am very soon going to go watch the movie version of Flower Drum Song because your chapter on it is so cool. Oh, thank you. That's really one of the nicest things you could say. It is slow. It's a, it's a much slower pacing than West Side Story and is it a long and drawn out second dream ballet? There are two dream ballets, which are really fashionable. So it's not a perfect movie, but I do think it's stronger overall than the stage version. And its story is not incredibly compelling. It's a slight story compared to most Rodgers and Hammerstein. That's it's not right. about big issues. That's right. It's about the generation gap and, uh, you know, assimilation. and Still big issues, but not with the weight of the other things. It's also a comedy, basically. It's That's basically right. sort of a family yeah. comedy. If anything gets trashed more often in terms of critical stature than adaptations it's musical comedies well, <laughs> also i'd yeah. say film comedies too i can only think of one film comedy that's won the academy award frankly right beyond andy hall maybe there's something but being a comedy a small comedy flower drum song was a good success not a mega hit on broadway but it was very successful the score is also really good and yeah. they kept all but one song so that's one thing they did they brought in a couple of major leads including the main female lead from the stage Miyoshi Umeki. My father says that children keep growing, rivers keep flowing too. My father says he doesn't know why, but somehow or rather they do. They do. Somehow or other they do. A hundred media miracles. 
fools are happening every day And those fools say they don't agree Are those who do not hear or see A hundred media miracles A hundred media miracles Are happening every day that's something I never realized till I read your book, that the star of the Broadway show is in that movie, and that several of them are. It's really authentic in that regard. Yeah. One of the kids. The little boy, yeah. Artie Arte was a, he was a really good dancer. In fact, yeah. they made it even more of a dance musical. Hermes Pan was the choreographer, and he didn't even realize how good this guy was. So he, he created a dance number as part of one of the songs for the kid. I just want to say what makes that so valuable, well, and one of the reasons I do want to watch it again now, is because the stage show is so inaccessible to us. Yes, absolutely, yeah. When I was at Fifth Avenue, we presented the Broadway revival with David Henry Huang. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We did sort of a mini tour. Several theaters yeah. got together because it wasn't going to tour otherwise. And right. you know that was really well done and very interesting, not entirely successful, but was a worthwhile project. For those who may not know about Flower Drum Song, which is possible, um, yeah. that there was a revival in right around 2001 or three or two. Yeah, early 2000. By David Henry Wang, who wrote a very successful play in the late 80s called M. Butterfly. The Rodgers and Hammerstein people gave him permission to write a new libretto with the original almost entirely new major. You know, people are singing the songs in different contexts, and different people are singing the songs in different characters. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a radical. It's called a what do they call that? A revisal? It's I think a it, heavy it, revisal. I would yeah, call it a, a really major revised Broadway show, and it was not a big success, but it was talked about a lot. And I decided because I do talk a lot about the novel because the novel has a major impact on both and that I decided it was just too many things to talk about. So I do devote a page or so to David Henry Wang, but not that much. Or right, he'll right. come up here and there. But but I'm gl really glad you mentioned that. So you're right, this musical you're not going to see. Well, first of all, we're at a stage in doing shows that you want an all Asian cast. You may not get an all Chinese cast, but there are no white people. There's, in the film, there is. There's one. But I mean, but not playing an Asian character. No, no, no. Yeah, right. All the Asians in the movie of Flower Drum Song are played by Asian actors. Except for... Except for Juanita Hall, who is African-American, right. playing an Asian character. Right. On, on the original Broadway, uh, there were a couple of people that weren't Asian. Yeah. In 1958, it wasn't just discrimination. It was also that most Asians were culturally were not encouraged to go into theater. So it's more than just... It's systematic. There's a talent pool issue, but the talent pool issue is probably influenced by racism yeah. as well. And they've had trouble producing the original because you know people think it's stereotypical that it makes fun of Asians somehow. Because they're old-fashioned Asians. The author, Lee, is writing about an earlier generation of Asians. But isn't that what the story's about, this generation gap between the old ways of thinking and exactly. the younger ways of thinking, yeah. which was exactly what was happening in all of American society mm -hmm. at that point. Right. What are we going to do about the other generation? How will we ever communicate without communication? You can't account for what they say or do. And what peculiar thoughts they think they never reveal to you. A very discouraging problem is the other generation. And soon there'll be another one as well. And when our out-of-hand sons are bringing up our grandsons, 
I hope our grandson give their father's help. Can't wait to see it. I hope our grandson give their father's help. The more I see of grown-ups, the less I want to grow. The more I see what they have learned, the less I want to know. And yet we've got to all grow up, there's no place else to go. I wonder why we're all so poor and they got all the dough. What are we going to do about the other generation? How will we ever communicate without communication when we are using words a modern way? They're much too big to try to dig the colorful things we say. If we, we could take over the training of the other generation, we know we could improve them quite a lot. But they will never let us. They stay the way they get us. And so we're simply stuck with what we've got. We can't improve them. The kids are simply stuck with what they got. And then you have a song, and I go into it because you'd never write a song called I Enjoy Being a Girl Now. But in the 1950s, there were people like Nancy Kwan, Linda Lowe, that wanted to just be a girl. So I interviewed Mark Horowitz about his letters of Oscar Hammerstein book. He spoke very eloquently about that. I can't remember what letter this was based on, but that Oscar Hammerstein wanted that Asian woman to be like all other American girls. Yes. So it was actually writing a song that would equalize this character. And now we see it as a negative that, oh, that's why is this girl singing these anti-feminist kind of things? But his whole point was to say, she gets to be like every other American girl. I'm a girl, and by me, that's only great. I am proud that my silhouette is curvy, that I walk with a sweet and girlish gait, with my hips kind of swivelly and swervy. I adore being dressed in something frilly. When my date comes to get me at my place, Out I go with my Joe or John or Billy. It was a on-purpose moment of contextualizing her. When I have a brand new hairdo With my eyelashes all in curl I float as the clouds on air do I enjoy being a But Pearl, I just lap it up like honey. I enjoy being a girl. I flip when a fella sends me flowers. I drool over dresses made of lace. I talk on the telephone for hours with a pound and a half of cream upon my face. In the 40s, when they did South Pacific, that was one of their musicals that was about the really contemporary time. You know, it was just a couple of years away. It was World War II. You have these horny sailors singing, there's nothing like a dame. And people go, hey, these sexists. You know, that's what they were like. I mean, maybe they're like that now, too. But they were like that in 1948. And you're dealing both those shows you talk about are present day contemporary stories. They're not stories set in the past. They're trying to capture that moment in the 
the right. late 1940s or the early 1950, I guess 1960s flower drum song. Okay, so we talked about that about half of the West Side Story songs are in a different order. Six out of the seven major songs in Flower Drum Song are also in different order. And I go into why they changed the order. In my opinion, I think in every case, the film order is an improvement. Now, the screenplay, by then, Hammerstein had died. He got sick with cancer about one year or so after Flower Drum Song. But he still, he finished Sound of Music in 1959. He died in 1960. And the film is 1962. But he had a collaborator, one of the... um, Field. Joseph Fields, right? Joseph Fields. So the brother of Herbert Fields and Dorothy Fields. Right. And Joseph Fields wrote the screenplay. And I just think he did a terrific job. And also, all the changes make it more cinematic. So that's a good reason to see it. The way they use the songs, I mean, I don't like everything. You know, the song Like a God is spoken like a beatnik in a nightclub. Yeah, I mean, it's not even sung. You know, just, but other than that, I mean, basically, I think they just do a really nice job the way they bring in everybody. Later on in addressing the issue of, I mean, I'm really aware of a lot of the social issues that trouble Flower Drum Song. I mean, a lot of musicals, it's not just Flower Drum Song. One of the things that I absolutely agree with, there are Asian stereotypes that are there. And sometimes even a positive stereotype can be a problem. But I do make the point that most of the stereotypes are positive ones more than negative ones. Like Mei Li, the immigrant from China. The leading character, basically. The protagonist of the story. Yeah. She's meek. But very meek and retiring in a stereotypical way to a certain extent. But there's a but. She's the mover and shaker for making all these things happen. So she's not a passive observer of her own story. And then you have Linda Lowe, who wears skimpy clothing. She sings, I enjoy being a girl in front of three mirrors. In a towel. But it still exaggerates the stereotype of Asian sensuality. I mean, you make that argument. And then finally, uh, the stereotypes of the older generation. You know, he doesn't go to a bank. He has old fashioned attitudes, you know, that kind of stuff. But those are the people that Lee grew up with in Chinatown. The author of the novel is writing about his real experiences, his actual experiences growing up in Chinatown. It's also another thing you can do after this program is read this novel. The novel is excellent. It's very different. Uh, and much darker in many ways darker. than the musical turned yeah. out to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. like we talk about censorship. They didn't even ask about this. But uh, the woman who's in love with the male lead. Who's uh, a minor the, character, but has yeah, the first big song. they're sleeping together. Yeah. So totally, you know. In the novel, very clear and open about that. There's right. no. And then she commits suicide in the novel. And that's really dark. It's just a great example of what novels were able to do in the 1950s and 60s. Even you look at like uh, the novel of The Year the Yankees Lost the Pennant or Seven and a Half Cents. Those all have a lot of things that the creators of the musical never dreamed of putting into the musicals because it was even a step beyond what Broadway could do at that point. Right, right. And yet, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, she gets this amazingly wonderful song. They couldn't cut that song and they didn't feel like they could give it to somebody else. But of course, Wang does give it to somebody else. This is Love Look Away. I have wished before I will wish no more Love Look Away Love Look Away from me Fly when you pass my door Fly and get lost at sea Call it a day 
the movie the original soundtrack is really excellent don't you agree it's a really good score yeah. oh it's a great yeah. set of songs and both the original cast album and the soundtrack album are really enjoyable yeah so okay so here's something that lee said in an interview he had some long interviews about this again this is the author of the novel that it's based on he wrote this i thought this is interesting he said i don't think there's anything against chinese americans or asians americans in it meaning the musical. This concept of the generation gap is definitely universal. You know, it's figure on the roof, for goodness sake. And the families are an old-fashioned, traditional type of family. You know, you could sound like, gosh, these guys, he's so defensive. You know, now, it's hard not to be defensive about cultural works that are problematic if they would be written today. And yet, here's the other thing about Hammerstein. You know, he was on the board of the NAACP. He was considered one of the pioneers of civil rights. I mean, supporting, he was really interested in the East. People say there are lots of problems with King and I also. You know, lots of them. Misuse of history and all kinds of things. But he's trying to make these characters real and human and he's really interested in them. It's one of the interesting challenges I deal with this with my students is how do we approach stories, whether it's a novel or in this case musicals, because that's what we're talking about, that clearly the intention of the authors was to be anti-racist. But now we see that there are problematic issues right. in it. How do you yeah. then still acknowledge the fact of their intention right. and honor right. their intention, right. even if they failed at doing it yeah. by and our standards today? Yeah, and of course with women too. That's what we were just talking about a minute ago. Oscar Hammerstein's intention here was not to be sexist. It was to right. be sort of the opposite of that. Exactly. And yet now we see it in a different way. Right. When I hear the compliment My bikini by the sea I turn and I glower and I bristle But I'm happy to know the whistle's meant for me I'm strictly a female, female And my future, I hope, will be In the home of a brave and free male Please be sure to join Jeffrey and I on the next episode of Broadway Nation when we return with more conversation regarding his fascinating new book, A Fine Romance, adapting Broadway to Hollywood in the studio system era. Western Street with Eastern manners, tall pagodas and golden banners throw their shadows through the lantern glow. 
information about how you too can become a patron of Broadway Nation. A donation of just $7 a month will not only keep Broadway Nation rolling along, it will also provide you with exclusive access to the complete unedited versions of many of the interviews that you hear on this podcast. And all patrons will receive special shout-outs and acknowledgments of your vital support for Broadway Nation. To join, simply go to broadwaynationpodcast.supercast.tech that's broadwaynationpodcast.supercast.tech or click the link in the show notes to this episode. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. Special thanks to Pals Mox for his help with editing this episode and to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.